On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Matt Robinson with you. Not in the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. This is episode 869, coming to you lakeside with our buddy Maddie Lang. Back in the uh, first time we've recorded in person in quite a while. How's it going, man? Listen, you know what? Uh, I love Ottawa. Yeah. I love Bytown. Yeah. This is nicer. This is nicer. This is not a bad place. Uh, you can check out our Instagram and our Twitter, um, we'll, uh, which are at Talkin Audio, by the way. If we get the plugs in, um, we'll tell you, we'll show you what you're, uh, what we're looking at right now. But you've probably seen it. I've I've been here for a little while. But this is uh, Maddie rolled in the other day, yesterday, I guess. Um, as we sit here on the beautiful shores of Sturgeon Lake near Bob Cage in Ontario. Um, what's happening, man? You're, it's been a while. I think this is the first time I've seen you since probably the summer of 2019. Does that sound right to you? Oh man. Uh, feels like we blocked out an entire year, right? But at least I gotta say, I gotta say at least that long, right? Yeah. I feel like there was probably a union station meeting or something. Maybe. Yeah. Meeting of the minds. Yeah. I, I, often as I was At passing the library, through. Like yes. Always. Exactly. Uh, pass in for a little, uh. Bible verse and then off to the library as I'm passing through Toronto. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I think though, I think up at the old cottage, I think you were around, uh, for a long weekend in the summer of 2019. Yeah, that, and, sound, that sounds about right. The last time we would have had a, a good long time up at the cottage together. Yeah, yeah, face-to-face pints. So uh, you've been on a couple times since then, since the world shut down, but it's always been remotely, so good to do this face-to-face. What are we drinking today, Matty? Hey, you know what? We're, uh, I mean, you should do the introduction on this. Yeah. This is this is one of your go-tos here, I think. So we're keeping it local. Um, as uh, I'm back to the, uh, the Old Dog Brewing Company for the first one. This is probably going to be a multiple beer show. Um... And I do like the idea that, uh, I don't know if the mics are picking them up, but the boat traffic has picked up as soon as we started recording. Hey, there's been shit going on all day we, that held us up. There's people mowing the lawn next door. There's been construction going on next door. Birds. Had to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of had to wait for everything to mellow out a little bit as soon as we started here. If uh, you've but, ever seen guys chase crickets yeah. off the patio. <laughs> um, but the boat traffic has definitely stepped up in the last hour or so. So uh, 
will be contending with that as one's like literally racing up to the dock next door. So that figures. Uh, this is from uh, the Old Dog Brewing Company. Uh, right here in Bob Cage, and I did mention them a couple months ago. I think I had a couple beers uh, from them before. But this one, we saved for Matty. He's an old-school wrestling nerd like myself. And uh, this one's called the uh, the British Bulldog. So we're going with that. Um, I think it's a English bitter, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an extra special bitter. Oh, extra special. Just like Matty, man. <laughs> extra special. <laughs> extra special episode here. A very special episode of the- Blossom. <laughs> Going right after our target demographic, right? Right Obviously, off the yeah. New host of uh, Jeopardy, at least temporarily. There, what's her name? Mayan Bialik, I think. Um, Is that who, who they're going with? It was this other creep uh, yeah. who was the executive producer, and then I guess like they did like just a cursory search of his history and some of his quotes, and he'd said some some not some nice things and they quickly backed off and said you're probably yeah. not going to be the new host of Jeopardy yeah. man and it, so uh, I remember reading the little expose on that yeah the craziest thing it'd be like Rob deciding to do you know who's the next host of Tall Can Audio and interviewing everybody and then just deciding you know what I'll just do it yeah that's exactly what this looked like like the whole however long it's been of doing the the celebrities and like we're really searching for a new host and then they're just like actually we're just going to use the in-house guy like it was clearly just a, you know, a PR thing or a keep the attention thing, and then it yeah. blew up in their faces when they picked the guy. It turned out he was, which seems surprising, right? Because I mean, like I haven't watched Jeopardy in years, I guess, but because you know most of us go to work during the day, right? <laughs> right. I guess until recently, where we all pretend to be at work during the day. <laughs> but I always thought it was just going to be, you know, Ken Jennings was going to be the yep. runaway favorite. Yeah. And then uh, you know I was pulling for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, of course. I just wanted to, I wanted him out of the NFC. Well, I can remember saying, uh, you know, because it came out a few weeks ago before they made the announcement that they were going to insist whoever took over, you know, Jeopardy was going to be their full time gig. It wasn't going to, they weren't going to be allowed to keep whatever their other job was. And I kind of remember saying on Twitter, like, I'm not sure that's a deal breaker for Aaron Rodgers right now. Like, he might be ready to get the hell out of Green Bay bad enough that he'd just be like, screw it, I'm the host of Jeopardy now and that's it, I'm done with football. He looks like a guy who's just looking. For, you know, he just saw Tom Brady go from a cold weather, yes, really rigid team that seemed to go pretty well for Tom. Go down south. He's thinking, you know, can I get down to California? Yeah. What are the Raiders doing next sure, year? Sure. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Vegas need a new uh, new quarterback, Always. new home, new yeah. quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> see what that's all about. Um, so yeah, but I guess um, she had uh, Maya Bialik had also kind of been announced as like a special occasion host. They would use her from time to time for, you know, whether it be college week or whatever, yeah, when the yeah. other guy was taking his breaks. And now she's going to have to step in while they do another search. And because uh, this guy, I guess, turned out to be just just trash. But what do you think of the, uh, the first sip on the special bitter? <laughs> no, I thought we were going to keep talking about Blossom. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get my Blossom. Well, I got time, man. Ready. Where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I haven't had like a, like a real English special bitter in a while. Yeah. This is delicious. Okay. Really, really digging this so far. Nice. Um, and it fits, right? I don't know if you had a chance to check it out. I don't, I think you mentioned earlier that you didn't, but, uh, the reason we went to, uh, or I wanted to go with the, the British Bulldog was we're just a few days removed from SummerSlam was last weekend, right? And, uh, British Bulldog, maybe his best match ever, 1992, Wembley Stadium versus Bret Hart. Huge. Main event, uh, Huge intercontinental match. title victory. 
Like I, I can still like picture the you know the cameras panning in in Wembley yes. as a child. Yep. To me, that was the craziest thing. <laughs> it was a Super Bowl. It was like kind of a Super Bowl moment for me as a child. And that was when he was still like kind of looked like the British bulldog still, right? With the long hair and sometimes the braids. Yeah, the braids and, you know, in reasonably sized man, and yeah. then within a couple of years, just jacked out of his gills and with the buzz cut and you're like oh man this is gonna be trouble and (laughs) sure enough it didn't end up too well for uh for the british bulldog but uh anyway we don't have to talk too much wrestling over here maybe we will we'll see see what's going on already two wrestling references with the cm punk i heard his son just got uh rehired by the the big enterprise yeah with the titan towers (laughs) just pulled him back in so okay maybe return of the british bulldog coming nice the british bulldog too um, man, there's a few things that we were going to talk about here as, uh, we sit here and it's a little humid still, but, uh, sorry. Um, no air conditioning like there is in the, in the, the TCA studio, but I mean, we could have moved it back at, to the kitchen fucking table, but we'll this, make, was, this was nice. We'll make do. We'll get through. Yeah. <laughs> Be back in the lake halfway through the show. And, um, Raptors haven't talked, talked about in a little while. Leafs we haven't talked about in a little while. Blue Jays we've hit on off and on cause they've been the big story. Of the summer, but uh, guest choice, man. Where do you want to start? Oh, if, if I'm dealing, we're starting with the rappers. Of course. Okay. I like that. <laughs> um, been an interesting off season for them. I think you would agree, and, and you, you're never shy about telling me when you don't, that the biggest move for them this summer has been getting the Maasai question answered finally, once and for all. Finally getting that solved. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the funniest quote, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but somebody asked him, how long is the... It's a contract. Yeah. And he's, he said something along the lines of, like, I'm home. Okay. Or, like, this is, I'm going to be here a while, right? Were you nervous? Was it starting to drag on you? It was getting to that point where we've seen MLSE fuck up before. Yeah. <laughs> a time or two. <laughs> and you're just sitting there thinking, like, if this was, you know, if this is the Leafs who win the Stanley Cup, and I go, you know, I know we're dreaming here right yeah. now, but if this is Shanahan, he's got a contract in his hand in two days. Yep. And now maybe it was on Masai. Maybe he was the one holding out. Maybe he wanted a couple things laid out. It's always the rumors that another U.S. team wants him. Always rumors that he might be the next in line to be actually commissioner of the league. Right. So, you know, he was probably leveraging some of that, right? He wanted to continue to be involved with the Giants of Africa mm-hmm. and the African Development Developmental League, right? Um, and what is his actual title now? SAR of MLSE? Sure, like that. Yeah. Something something to that, you know, <laughs> it's the only championship, I guess, you know, the TFC guys will come at me. but uh, And the Argos. Yeah. Although I guess they weren't under the MLSE banner yet. They are now, but... Uh, well, hey, that was because they're a good luck charm. The Bluchador was obviously, in, man, in the, the building. Obviously, man, the double Bluchador at the Grey Cup. That was awesome, too. But did you, you know, MLSE doubt or whatever, like, at what point did it start to become worrisome? Like, to me, I was always like... I'm, I kind of get the idea that he's going to finish out the season. It makes me nervous because I don't want him to ever not be contractually obligated to stay. For um, sure. But there is some understanding. There is a point where you're like, I get it. Why wouldn't you want to see, at least money-wise even, what's out there, what could I get, and mm-hmm. then come back to the table? At what point when it wasn't done did you start to go like, oh, no, they're going to fuck this up? It, it was a draft. Yeah. You know, it was as the week of the draft is coming up. Because he had said, you know, we're going to get the coach done. We're going to get Bobby, our GM done. We're going to take care of everybody in-house, and then it's going to be my turn. Right. But as a fan, you know, team's got the fourth pick. We got lucky in the lottery, and all of a sudden, you know, the SAR is still not signed, and you're thinking, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
this seems like a good time to throw some good news out there, guys. Right, right. right? Like, take advantage. So I think there was a collective Raptor fan, you know, um, anxiety level just kind of growing as, as, you know, and then the draft gets made and there's some uncertainty about who they picked. And Were you happy no with that? I guess we can, sorry, why don't you finish up there? We'll get to the draft. Well, I, I think it all ties together, though, yeah, right? Okay. Because I think that was part of why a lot of Raptor fans were worried, right. not knowing, you know, who's actually in charge on this pick. Who's making this call. Yeah, who's, who's got the final vote, right? Okay. Right, and Messiah's shown he's been able to build good teams, right? He's been able to deal with guys who want to get out of town, like Carmelo Anthony. He's been able to trade guys and get the Raptors out of problems, like Rudy Gay and Bargnani, mm-hmm. you know, does anybody bat a thousand when it comes to talent evaluation or, you know, signing the right guy in the right year? Right. No. Yeah. So you give them a couple, you know, everybody's going to get some, some misses. Yep. Mulligan. Overall though, I think in the six or seven years he's been in Toronto now, it's hard to argue with the overall body of work and what he took a perennial, you know, also ran, also ran team. Actually, he took a team that wasn't, wasn't even making the playoffs. Right. And last year was the first year they didn't make the playoffs in his run. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable. For sure. Almost by design. Um, like, I think when they went into last season, they obviously hoped that they were going to make it. But once it became clear that they were no longer contenders, he wasn't afraid to rip the Band-Aid off. Like, this has been a bit major, major turnover. And it's funny to think, um, you know, the, Toronto hasn't seen this team live. Like, it will be unrecognizable at the first game back at, uh, at the ACC. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just going down the names, right? No Serge, no Marcus no Kyle. Right. <laughs> I no mean, Powell. No, yeah. Like, just gone. Yep. Right? So, um, there's not much left from that championship team. Like, the, the big the big players, right? It's yep. Fred and Pascal now. Um, listen, the city still loves them. Sure. But it's going to look tremendously different, much like the Blue Jays have. Yep. Right? I mean, what was the stat? There was three guys who had ever played in Toronto before. Yeah, I know. It was ridiculous. Like, it, all these guys that had been Blue Jays for whatever right like since 2020 or 2021 that have never played a game in toronto until they got home as blue jays at least. Yeah, yeah i remember them making a big deal about ryu coming to town yeah finally no exactly um uh, the kyle thing i guess is the other big like when you talk about ripping the band-aid off and turning it over like there was a ton of talk around the trade deadline will they do it or won't they um and then of course you know throughout the off season here they do finally go ahead and move them out um in your mind, is that a favor to him? Like we're gonna, we're not gonna be rebuilt quick enough for this to matter to you, or like how do you think that all came together? I think so, and I think he earned his right to at least ask for some help. Yeah. Um, pro- my guess is they probably told him, "Hey, listen, we're gonna try to trade you at the deadline if we can, but if they're giving us shitty deals, we're not just gonna make the deal." Yep. But then on the other side, you know, we'll do the, the sign and trade so you can make your money. Mm-hmm to help you out as well. And it, it also, you know, it acted like a deadline deal anyways, right? So the Raptors actually came out as well as they would have, at, at least as well as they would have at the trade line based on all the rumored trades that were going on. Yeah. I mean, Miami didn't want to offer up what they ended up offering up, obviously, because they would have wanted to keep Dragic. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the other teams like the Lakers and Clippers really weren't offering much in way of help for the Raptors, right? Just guys we would have bought out and when you're in Toronto and you're not sure those free agents are going to come anyways, right. the point of a, a buyout is kind of mute, you know, it's, it's moot to us. Yeah. Right? It's more important to get a guy like Goran Dragic and know you're going to flip him at the deadline again this year 
or at some point in the year. Sure. At least we're going to keep using that. He is going to come to town. Are we sure about that? He just changed his Instagram or his Twitter bio. Uh, oh, yeah. well, it's official then. Now right? it's official. It's Facebook official. It's like your new relationship. <laughs> it's uh, it's whatever. Okay. Yeah. And so I think he's that coming. was like, that was just last night or this morning, actually. What he just it? flipped it over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he changed it to professional basketball player at Raptors, hashtag the dragon. Okay. So I don't know if he's... <laughs> I mean, if he starts making cool jerseys, maybe we'll come around on him. I don't don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah, PR-wise, he didn't do himself any favors with... uh, And even if you do believe that he was sort of, not misquoted, but misspoke or whatever, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, was not a strong way to introduce himself to the market by basically saying, you know, uh, Toronto's not really where I want to go. And I think the quote was, I have higher aspirations. You're like... Fuck you, right? Yeah, like, and, and, it's not a great... Dude, we get it. We actually know you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not the guy who's going to be on this rebuilding team that's, you know... And, and, and we'll get to this. And I think the Raptors actually have a shot at the playoffs this year. I don't think they're that far out of it. Okay. Do I think they're a top four team? No. Right. Um, but, you know, we're one to two players and a couple trades away from it. If you think Kyle's over, so yeah. is Drogic. <laughs> right. Right. So he, he wants to get moved. He wants to play with Doncic. Everybody knows it around the league. Again, what seemed to be happening was the Raptors weren't getting a fair deal for them. Mm-hmm. And they walk away. No need to... Part of the issue with the NBA is you got some of these teams like the Kings and Cleveland who make trades to appease players right. or agents maybe. But all it does is weaken the league with bad trades. Right? There's got to be some semblance of value base for a, for a trade. Sure. Well, and you referenced, right, the idea that the Raps couldn't trade Lowry for guys that you were going to buy out and have cap space and stuff because you weren't sure you were going to be able to get free agents to Toronto. You needed to use that trade piece to get something that was going to definitely be in Toronto. You didn't have to convince him. He was your property. Yeah. Then this happens afterwards. You're kind of like, oh no, right? Like, did they, be right. Like if they've sort of ironed it out and, and made, come to an agreement that you're here short term, like we're going to find you another home, but we got to find the right fit again. We got to find a piece when we're going to flip you. It is complicated for the Raptors to get guys like that. They cannot depend on on free agents. A lot like the Blue Jays, right? A lot of guys who don't want to come north of the border, and and there's plenty that when they get here do love it, but it's the fear of the unknown, right? And it's hard to get them to agree to just show up. That's it. So you got to draft, and you got to draft well, yeah. And you got to make pretty wise trades, right? And listen, one of the guys they got in that trade, I mean, Dragic is the other side, and we you know we can all assume he's a temporary piece at the moment, yeah. The other guy they got, Precious. He was a first round draft pick My last precious. year. <laughs> There's there it is. <laughs> you know, he was a he was a five star recruit at a high school. Okay. He's Nigerian born, but came to the States to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Five star recruit. When I say he played in Memphis, he was ACC uh soft uh sophomore of the year, rookie of the year, I can't remember now. Okay. Um and he was a twenty twenty ACC sixth man of the year. Right. Okay. He comes pretty raw. He had a very highlight reel moment in pre-Olympic play, uh, stuffing Kevin Durant and nice. during the upset of uh, when Nigeria actually beat the U.S. in yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, he's shown nothing. I mean, he's an absolute beast on the boards. He's a beast in the paint. The one thing he doesn't have is a jump shot. You know, kind of a big deal if you're not if you're a basketball <laughs> player. Don't get me wrong. But the Raptors, and this, you know, here, this one ties into Scotty Barnes, the guy they actually picked up in the draft fourth overall right Mm -hmm. what was he he was 2021 acc rookie of the year acc 
six man of the year. Right. Okay. So now we got back to back player. You know. Yeah. Uh, six man of the year and and rookies or whatever sophomores of the year. Pretty impressive coming out of that conference. Both these guys have got crazy length, crazy speed. Both guys again, not the greatest shooters from outside, but the one thing that Nick Nurse has built his career on is teaching guys how to shoot. If you've had a chance, I don't know if you have had a chance to read his uh, biography, Raptor. It's up next, Matty. It's up next. Okay. <laughs> it's a beauty. Okay. It's a beauty. Yeah. Because um, he's got a really interesting story. Like, he was over in the British League or something at one point, wasn't he? Like, I mean, yeah, player coach, the yeah. coach. He moved, I think at one point he does get to Spain and back to Britain. Yeah. Um, basically talks his way into a, uh, you know, a summer league job, basically coaching for free, <laughs> kind of gets his way to the, the G League um, or the D League at the time and works his way up. Uh, but his whole thing is teaching guys how to shoot properly, right? Um, he had some record, actually, in NCAA for a while. I can't remember if it was free throws or three balls or something. Um, but he just had a really dedicated basketball mind. Mm-hmm. And the you know, the way he kind of made his name was he actually taped up the basketball in a certain way to teach guys where to put their hand and, you know, affectionately became known as Nurse's Pill okay. for shooting. <laughs> and, you know, now we have examples right we got guys like pascal we got guys like og who are just continuing to improve their free throw percentage yeah i think og i was looking this up the other day og in the four years in the league he's gone from shooting like 63 percent or so up to like 75 or 76 percent from free throw it's a pretty significant bump right o- over a year that's going to put some points on the board <laughs> yeah, for, for you sure. right you know from three ball they've all improved their general field goal has improved their usage rates have improved they've shown they can do it I think these two guys are the next kind of two projects where they're like, you know, we're not expecting these guys to be great shooters now. Scotty Barnes is really, you know, OG and an OB 2.0 to me. Yeah. It's going to be, he's going to go out, he's going to play insane defense, he's going to get lots of steals. Mm -hmm. He'll have a game where he gets, you know, 20 layups. (laughs) And then he'll have games where he goes over 10. Right. You know, but over the year, it'll average out. And, you know, over the next couple of years, I feel like they see something in him that they saw in the other guys they could have drafted that they see where the improvement can happen or the willingness to improve. So I do want to ask you about the season and your, your I won't say prediction because you didn't carve it in stone. You just said it's possible they may be able to make the playoffs. I want to get to that in a second. But let's go to draft night just for a second. And, and you referenced Scotty Barnes and the guy they selected. I'm not one of these guys... Obviously, you know me. I, I know my hockey way better than I know my basketball. But even on draft night in hockey, I try very hard not to get too... Like, what the hell do I know about this 18-year-old kid from from whatever? I assume the scouts... Now, sometimes there are really off-the-board picks where I shake my head a little bit and go, I wish they hadn't done that or whatever it might be. But in this case, um, there was another big name on the board that most Raptor fans, at least the ones that I was following on Twitter, thought was going to be the pick. What do you think happened there and, and why did they go with Scotty Barnes? So, listen, I, I was, and, and you know this, but let the listeners know, I was at the Raptor Republic and showed to my guys at the Raptor Republic who had me out um, after picking up a couple of my injury reports for the last year. They invited me out to the draft party. Okay. And it was just an outdoor event at the, uh, at the pub and they had the TVs going and everybody's getting warmed up. And I had an outside thought that we might get Mobley, who ended up going three. Okay. I thought there's a way this guy falls to us. Yeah. Big seven footer, moves the ball. I would, you know, didn't get the guy I wanted, but, you know, know knowing we had the fourth pick, yep. everybody figured we were going to get Suggs. Yes. 
the even old, I did. I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about <laughs> basketball, and I'm I've been reading that name for weeks. And here's the thing about Suggs. It's not like he wasn't projected to go high up in the draft all season, yeah. but it was really his March Madness. And he just came out, and he was one of the stars of March Madness. Um, in the semifinal game, he made a couple clutch plays, you know, bounce passes across the court to get guys open layups. He hits the big game-winning three and runs up and does the Dwayne Wade on the announcer's table. <laughs> so, there, you know, there's no doubt that everybody feels this guy's a gamer. Yeah. Now, like we talked about, right? I, uh, what do we know? Yeah. I didn't know this guy before March Madness. <laughs> you know, I watched four of his games, and now I think he's, you know, the greatest things in sliced sure. bread. But is he just, you know, how many times have we seen guys just be good in March Madness mm-hmm. and kind of eke their career out, right? Kemba Walker's a good example, a guy who had an amazing March Madness. And listen, he's a star. Is he a superstar? Right. Is he, you know, even... It's the exact same thing. Even I don't even know. For two weeks, every Christmas, we watch the World Juniors. Then we recognize a couple of those names at the draft. Go, that guy scored a sweet goal against Latvia on December 29th. Yeah, we need to draft him right now. You watch two weeks. There's people sitting around the table who've been watching these guys for four or five years. Exactly (laughs) right. And as much as like you know, Jalen Suggs looks like an NBA player, Mm -hmm. but because you hit one, and I'm not talking a three ball from the corner, right? If anybody didn't catch that game, he's running up the court with two seconds left, right? And heaves it from half court. Like there is, (laughs) I'm not going to say there's no skill in that, but that's a that's a shot nobody really goes. You know, I'll put a hundred bucks on that every time. No, yeah, we're not betting on him repeating that every game. Exactly right. So. As much as our eyes light up, yeah, you really hope that it's the paid scouts who watch these guys a little bit more than we do, um, and trying to see, you know, what their level of improvement is going to be as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Scott, you know, Scotty Barnes hasn't put up numbers in, in rookie league uh, or summer league is what they call it in the NBA. He's put up some numbers. He's put up some good stats. I think the difference is come. October 20th or 22nd, whenever we start the league off, yeah, he's not going to be taking 20 shots a game, right? He's going to be lucky to be getting the ball five times and being told to go to the bucket. Yep. So what he's going to be required to do and what I urge all Raptor fans to do is relax because Jalen Suggs is playing for the Orlando Magic, <laughs> the dynasty. Yes. Okay, so a team that completely did he go next or did down. he fall further? He went next. Yeah, yeah. okay. They, yeah. they weren't going to miss him because they don't have any shooters. Right. Yeah. Right? So they've got Mark Fultz, who still can't shoot five years later. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'm trying to think. They've got Jonathan Isaac coming back from a ACL injury. He can't shoot. Mm-hmm. They got rid of Eric Gordon. They got rid of Vucevic. Um, I feel like Terrence Ross might be still stuck there. <laughs> you know, on the island by himself, the yeah. poor guy. Um, at least he can shoot. Listen, Jalen Suggs is going to get the ball all game long on that team. Mm-hmm. He's going to put points up. Is he going to win Rookie of the Year? Probably not, because I think Mobley's in a better spot. I yeah. think Jalen Green's in a better spot. Um, even Caleb's a better spot there. I think I think Jalen Green's in a probably the best spot being in Houston, because he's going to have carte blanche to yeah. do whatever the hell he wants. So he's going to put up those rookie numbers you need. <laughs> but we might look down, you know, four or five years from now, there's a chance that everybody's going, wow, Barnes went to four? <laughs> yeah. Right? Can you believe you let a defensive player of the year go to four? Right. You know, it's, it's all going to depend so much on injuries, so much on the team you're on. But I think he has the best team to be on to grow slowly and not have too much put on his plate. 
let's talk about the season then and what your expectations are. And and you said a few minutes ago, it's possible they could make the playoffs with a, a move or two and, and a couple of breaks, you know, it could go their way, but they have obviously taken a step back from where they've been over the last couple of years. Uh, I guess my question would be, is this as simple for this year as which Pascal are we getting? Because we sort of saw, I guess mainly really just in the bubble, he struggled a ton and the fans were kind of hot at him for a while. Um, you know, last season where they played down in Tampa, a little up and down, little, you know, is it as simple as good Pascal and we're hanging around up for a playoff spot, bad Pascal and we're probably maybe five spots out. Yeah. Let me see this. And I can't remember what the, there was a cool stat I did see and I'm going to, I don't want to even try to misquote it, (laughs) but even a bad Pascal year last year. So if we look at his three real big years, Mm -hmm. right? The championship year, you know, when COVID kind of interrupted the season, which by the way, in 2020, Pascal was our number one option on the team. Yep. You know what else? We were in second place when COVID happened. That's Everybody true. forgets that. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Raptors sucked. No, no. Right? We we came out good. We just we ran into a team in Boston that matched up well against us and got a little unlucky. There's a couple guys on their team that, you know, I joke, it's like they're the guys who like to play AAU ball, right? right. No, no guys in the crowd. All of a sudden, these guys are dead shooters, right? <laughs> they're just Marcus Smart's hitting three balls all over the place. Yeah. You put fans in the stadium and he can't it's figure out how to game. make a pass. Yeah. Right? Got a little unlucky. Still went to seven games. And who did he get outshone by? Jalen Jalen Brown? Yeah, Jalen Brown's one of the five best young players in the league. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. He's a a true superstar. Right. Last year, he had a slight regression. He he did come out and say how much of a tough time he had in the bubble. So I can only imagine being stuck, again, away from family mostly, you know, in Tampa. Wasn't any better. For a guy like that, yeah, who's so family oriented and wants to be around people, it had to have been a tough season for him. And again, the Raptors were making a little push, right? They had a bad start to the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. They were making a push back, in, not even into the playoffs, being a solid playoff team. And then the whole team got COVID at the All Star break. Yeah, what happens when six year guys, six year best players can't play? Well, Norm probably Norm not Powell go can't. That great. Yeah. Norm Powell couldn't keep the team alive by himself, unfortunately. <laughs> and then we get to the end of the season. You know, he missed a lot of games for what they were calling a shoulder sprain, which came out after was actually a torn labrum Oof. that he had to have repair. So that's um, pretty strained. Yeah, that's that's a pretty <laughs> pretty big strain in your shoulder, right? So um, you know, he probably wasn't able to take contact. He probably wasn't able to get to the bucket. His, you know, if you've had a, a torn labrum, you know, it's nothing just in your shoulder. It hurts your neck. It hurts your back. Your shoulder blades achy. You're not sleeping well. You can't turn over. I'm giving him more than than a pass <laughs> okay. for a mild decrease, too. I mean, he still put up the same points per game. Mm-hmm. His shooting percentage was down mildly. His three-point percentage is really what dropped. Went from about 36% down to 29%. Um, you know, could be a number of factors on that, but I got to think he gets back into Scotiabank. Yep. Around the crowd, and Hopefully, I think we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get back to a normal Pascal. Now it might take him a couple months to warm up because he can't come back till November. Right. Okay. Okay. His rehab's going to extend into the season. Unfortunately, um, I don't know if that was just a, a matter of they felt the rehab wasn't going well enough before they pulled the trigger on the surgery. But you know, 
the problem with the Raptors this year is do we get too far behind the eight ball with Pascal out? Right. Dig too deep of a hole that you can't get out of it. Yeah. You know, if we go like one and or two and nine like we did last year to start the season or whatever ridiculousness Oof, it was, awful. right? Yeah. And the most ridiculous last second losses continually, right? <laughs> I think this is a team that's going to be in the playout or the playoff. Take, or whatever they're calling that, right? The play-in the tournament. play-in round, yeah. I don't know if they're necessarily like a seven, but they're, a, they're somewhere in the seven to nine. Right. And I think that's that's a pretty easy one. You look at like some, there's some bad teams in the East still. The East is much better than it used to be back in the day when LeBron was, you know, <laughs> king of the court. Yeah. But it, it's still, you know, the lower end of the league isn't really great. Yeah, well, and you've seen now, obviously, Brooklyn's a different team. Like the East has changed a little bit, and and you know we'll see what Philadelphia is going to look like this year, what Boston's going to look like this year. Philly's it, the interesting one to yeah. me because they didn't do anything to get better. Yeah, and I'm like they're still waiting to trade Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't want to be there. They don't want Ben Simmons, <laughs> but nobody wants Ben Simmons for the price they want to yeah. sell Bell Sim- Ben Simmons for. Right? Hello, Jack Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting, right? Listen, Jack Eichel's going to love playing in Carolina one oh year. Oh, my God. Um, could be. Could be. Uh, yeah, to me, I, I, you know, you know better than I do. I just, it's amazing to me, and maybe it shouldn't be. We're, we're two years removed, but just how quickly the team has turned over and, and is just completely unrecognizable from the championship team. Like, Kawhi was one thing, but as you referenced... And people do forget that in that 1920 season, um, when they shut it down with whatever it was, 10 games to go or whatever, yeah, the Raptors, uh, and maybe it was a little more than 10 games, but are sitting in second place with a pretty juicy schedule remaining, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's all just, since then, uh, it, maybe it would be overstating it to say it's fallen apart, because some of it was intentional, right? Once you got to a certain point, you're offloading guys. Okay, we're not taking a run this year, so yeah. you make the moves that you're going to make. But man, that the Tampa season and the bubble and then the Tampa season, you're like... It's been tough. It's yeah. been tough as a fan. It's been tough as an organization, I'm sure. Yeah. They had to do a lot more than any other organization did outside of just scouting. Right. Um, you know, the one as we're talking about that, you know, the one thing that always killed me about Raptor fans, you know, especially the Twitter Raptor fans this past year, <laughs> is laying into Masai... And Bobby Webster about our, you know, what happened to our centers on a team. And they're all, everybody's upset that they let Mark go and they let Serge go. Guess what? They had shit years. Serge's back is done. Right. Mark's everything's done. (laughs) You know, he can't run up and down the court. He can't keep, he can't even keep up with the 37 year old LeBron James. Yeah. Marcus, Marcus Soul's younger. Yes. (laughs) FYI, everybody. Yeah, I know. Jesus. (laughs) LeBron, to be fair, tough to handle. Yeah, and now, you know, did Aaron Baines pan out? No. It did not. But did Aaron not. Baines the year before was great in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. They got unlucky. He didn't turn out. Um, Rashawn Holmes was the guy I was hoping they were going to try to make a run for this year. Every rumor up until the fact that he resigned with Sacramento yeah. was I, all I was hearing was, he's coming to Toronto, he's coming to Toronto. Uh, unfortunate he would have fit in well, but you know, uh, Birch is back, the, the Montrealer. Mm. I think everybody's excited. He he seemed to have changed everything about his game as soon as he came to Toronto. <laughs> he wants to be here. So we got Precious in the trade. Precious. <laughs> That's going to have to be the new drop every time. I know, I now, can't right? help it. Yeah. 
I, I think there's, you know, there's one thing we know in the NBA now is like you don't need that true center. It's nice if you have it, but you don't need it anymore. Hmm. And it, unless you have Anthony Davis, who doesn't even like playing center, <laughs> or uh, Jokic. Yeah. I mean, you don't need it. Right, you can get by with athletic guys and a combination of guys who you can throw out depending on the on the situation. As long as they, they got quick feet and can actually like help on defense, that's all you need. Well, I think it's going to be an interesting season, and a lot of things will revolve around you know even back being in Canada, what that's all going to look like uh, with border restrictions. And uh, one place that tried to throw up some border restrictions and everybody ignored. Uh, is Tokyo, Japan. We had the Olympics, and I uh, should mention, because uh, we've been pumping the tires here for a little while, the Paralympics are also there, underway, and uh, when you arrived yesterday, took in a little goal ball, which is probably something you don't do all that often, uh, but I think a lot of people gave it a look for the first time based on uh, what I was seeing on Twitter. Uh, Team Canada falls 5-1 to... To the Russians, the dirty cheating Russians. Dirty cheating. <laughs> Ivan Drago looking. Honestly, man. Uh, so, 0-1 in the tournament. Um, I should just, uh, you know, don't want to spend a ton of time here because we have been pumping the pumping it pretty hard. But I, I just thought, um, you know, in terms of my own takeaways from the game as a guy who spent a lot of time there, um, just sort of quickly, I think the rebound control off Megan Mahone there in the middle was lacking a little bit, and, and for people just kind of understanding the sport uh, for the first time and getting into it, there's a 10-second shot clock. After the ball hits you as you're defending, you have 10 seconds to get rid of it. So when you're giving up big rebounds and having to chase them down, you're really putting your shooters in a tough spot if you're only giving them three or four seconds to release the ball. They don't get the setup they want. They don't get the you know the, the time to move around like they might want to, to get the shot away that they want. So that's going to be an issue that they're going to have to work on. Um, Missed. The Russians are unbelievable on defense at even strength, and they never take penalties. So the fact that they took three penalties in the first half and Canada missed all three penalty shots, that was the game, man. That was the difference in the game for me was you're not getting much off them at even strength, so you better cash on those. And if you miss three in the first half, that was it because that was going to be, you know, your way to keep it close for a little while. And, and that was always the play was you're going to have to stay close deep into the second half when maybe things are getting a little fatigued, maybe you're a little more fit, maybe uh, things are feeling better. Um, it just didn't happen. The one positive that I would say is um, I've sort of said both on the radio when I was on there and, and on this show before and on Twitter, there's a young player, she's about 22 years old, I think right now. It's her first Paralympic Games. Her name's Emma Ranke. And... She is a world-class thrower, but you can think of her as kind of a, a young Eric Carlson or uh, somebody like that who has all the upside in the world, all the offensive potential in the world, and is capable of making great things happen offensively, but she's going to make some things happen defensively that you may not love, and so I wasn't sure how much they were going to trust her, and sure enough, they didn't start her, and by the time she came in, they were already down 3 nothing and, and whatever, but what I can take away from that game was... She defended very well, and if she's able to do that, if she's able to now defend consistently against a good team like Russia, it's a game changer for them moving forward, um, having that second offensive option that you can trust. It's only one game, so we'll see um, whether this is the new normal for Emma, but I that was my most positive takeaway from the game was, you know, that, that Russian game was always 
a tough one that, that you maybe weren't going to have. There are other games on their schedule coming up that are more must win and, and you know, to, to get themselves into the playoffs. But walking out of that game, my thoughts were that Emma looked better than I would have expected defensively, and that could be big for them moving forward. Uh, I know you're not a big goal ball guy, Maddie, but what do you think watching last night's game? I know, I'm not going to sit here and talk tactical points with you about goal ball, that's for sure. Um, I mean, I got a li- you know, I've been lucky enough to have a little experience, right? Um, I've been in some provincial yeah. uh, games and uh, national championships, watched well. them live, and yep. well, was on the bench live, actually, yep. right, as the physio. So yep. um, I, I'd say probably more informed than a lot of people, I guess. <laughs> And that Russian team looked fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know how else to say it. Yep. What, Ilya so- I wanna, don't want to mispronounce her name, but Ilyasova? Or- it was Yurena uh, right. Yurastova. Yep. I know you told me there's somebody better than her in the world, but I find that hard to believe <laughs> after watching her just defend absolutely everything, get yep. to every bouncing ball. Yep. I guess except that last one. Yep. Where they uh, were Canada. Well, she was subbed out by then. That wasn't her. You're right. You're right. There you go. So she did get to everything that yes, even exactly. went close to her. Um, and wow, just and I say this honestly, I haven't seen even live a woman goalball player throw the ball that hard. No, I know. That is a rocket of a shot. Yep. So uh, tough matchup for them, and uh, they have Israel. Um, if you buy, it, it's going to be unlikely that uh, most of you will be hearing this, but some of you will hear it in time. Uh, they have Israel at 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Israel's a tough game, very good center, um, but that's a, a game that uh, if Canada plays well, um, you know, that that's a possible one. They have Australia coming up after that. That's an absolute must-win game. That one's Friday night. And I can't remember off the top of my head when the uh, the game against China is after that. So, uh, But following along on Twitter at Talking Audio, we'll keep you posted. But I uh, did want to mention that because our pal Amy Burke is over there doing her thing and, and doing her best, but... Man, I can tell you, if they don't care, like, until Emma came in, they didn't respect the shot coming off the other side. And so the defense just shifts on Amy and there's nowhere to go. Like, they just double up everything on her. And, and so that's why it would be so important to get another shooter like Emma into the game that they have to respect. And, and it lays, it's no different than any other sport. If you only have one shooter on your power play, guess what the yeah. defense is going to do to them? They're right? keying <laughs> right up, right? Yeah, exactly. You got, got two men high. Right. So you need a threat. Right and and a second threat, a secondary option, and so if Emma can keep running like that, that'll be your secondary option. That'll be big for them. But uh, we'll we'll see moving forward. And um, like I said, Thursday morning, seven thirty, Friday night, sometime that will be on our <laughs> uh, our social media feeds. So uh, let's talk some Leafs, Maddie. Uh, speaking of teams that didn't do so well on their power play, giving Austin Matthews a secondary option, things like that disappointing playoffs all that we don't have to go back down that road i want to talk a little bit good because i don't want to cry honestly man yeah. i don't know how many beers i've been drinking <laughs> it's gonna i don't want to be emotional here um but we can talk about the off season they had a little bit and i guess the main question i wanted to ask you was you know i've said on the show a couple times before i wasn't shocked that they decided not to blow up the big four i was quickly how or i was surprised how quickly they put their foot down on that right it was that first press conference 48 hours after the game no we're coming back with those guys we'll build around it we'll learn we'll adapt these sorts of things Mm -hmm. you had an opportunity because of covid because of the flat cap because of a hundred different things going on that you couldn't have possibly predicted when you signed those deals to sit back and go i do think this plan with the big four would have worked if the cap had continued to go up and up and up like it had but now it's not gonna. So maybe we should take a week or two, maybe a little longer, 
talk about it, think about it, wait for some other teams to be eliminated, see what deals might be out there. Um, they just came out right away and said, no, we're sticking with it. And that part surprised me more than maybe the ultimate decision did. Okay, be- before I get to that, okay, who in, who in the big four are you getting rid of, though? Me? Yeah, who, who are you getting rid of? You're, you're Kyle Dubas' right-hand man now. You're actually from Sault Ste. Marie. Not from down in the Oshawa area, because <laughs> you know you got to have that greyhound upbringing. Obviously. So, who, t- tell me this is this is the question I always ask everybody when they say, "Well, we got to take down the the big four. O- also realizing that we're of a generation when we couldn't find any Anyone. fucking buddy <laughs> to sit on a wing of Matt Sundin. And then later, Phil Kessel's riding shotgun with yeah. Matt Stajan or <laughs> Tyler Bozak or whatever. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You know, when people tell me you got to trade these guys with skill, it's like, how short-sighted are you? <laughs> we went through an awful period in leaf hockey when there was nobody of skill. Right. You know, we, we were just a bunch of grinders. I, um, I don't know that I would trade any of them, but I am going to answer your question. Like, who's the most likely Mitch. one? It's Mitch. Mitch, okay. And to me, it's not even the playoffs this year. It's not that he didn't produce in the playoffs last year either. And there's a chance that when I do trade Mitch, he it blows up in my face in a spectacular way. And he continues to go on and put up 100-point seasons and, and is, has a Patrick Kane-type career. That's on the table. I do think that's possible. But you're not trading Austin Matthews. That's so what I mean. Number one center. That's, that's not going Generational anywhere. talent. Nope. Um, you're not, yeah, you're just, you're not doing that. John Tavares, you could talk about it, but you gave that guy a no move clause and he came home, he took a pile of mm-hmm. shit to do it and he took a discount to do it. He does, he's not waving. Also, he's not I'm leaving. telling you, you know what's a really bad look? Trading your captain after yeah. you just took a knee to the head. Yeah, it's true. It's going to be a I, tough that's, sell. That's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, for sure it is. Um, and the other thing about that, I don't really want to trade him either because I think this whole thing that they're trying to do is built upon... Matthews one, Tavares two, these two powerhouse centers. To put the horses down the middle. Yes. And you run. Yeah. So I don't want to do it. So you're left with Willie or Mitch. And we can have the discussion all day. I love Willie. I'm not necessarily saying he's as good as Mitch. He does some things better than Mitch. Mitch mm-hmm. does some things better than him. For sure. But he's making $6.9 million and Mitch is making $10.893 million. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's $4 million difference between those two players. So that's why I would trade Mitch. I also think Mitch um, is going to be harder to trade because of that bigger contract for a passing winger that's hard to sell, whereas Willie might get you a better return because he's making what he should be making, right? And he can score a little bit. That's sure. I, I would think there is somebody in the league that if you're making this call... Someone would take either one of those. Somebody's guys. taking Mitch, yes. and somebody's giving you something yes. of very yeah, no, good no, value, it's not a dump, right? But it's you not are a dump. But you, it's hard to justify paying wingers almost eleven million dollars, and it's harder. Like you can justify it with Ovechkin because he does the thing, right? He scores the goals. <laughs> he Mitch, it, what, what's the what's the point of this game? Oh, putting it in the right. Nets. Great, <laughs> Mitch gets it to the guy who does the thing, mm-hmm. and so. That is, uh, you know, out of all the contracts that Kyle's done, the Mitch one is the one that looks the worst. It's it's not disgustingly bad. It's not awful. It's not terrible. But you look at it and go, it's a bit too much, man. It's a bit too much. So I'm not, like I said, I, I'm not surprised they decided to stick with it and run it back once more. Uh, I'm just surprised how emphatic they were about it as quickly as they were. And I think what I do think 
is if they run it back once more, when it looks like they're going to, and they go out in the first round again, it will no longer be Kyle's decision. He's going down. Shanahan's going down. There will, this whole thing will be turned over. It's interesting because I, I, I would argue and win 100 times out of 100 that this team was better than anything Dave Nunes did. Sure. Anything that Berkey did. Mm-hmm. Anything that Ferguson did. Anything yep. then I don't even know who was behind him. Pac win. Pac, you know what I mean? Like now this, you're back into that competitive era. Now we're in competitive era, yeah. right? But you know, in 15 years, we have not had a team this competitive. No. How many times? And I know Tampa's won some cups over the years. Yep. But they got knocked out of the playoffs a couple years in a row there yep. when they were supposed to win. Yep. What do they do? Stick with it, man. They stuck with it. Washington Capitals. You talked about Ovi. How many times did he run into the buzzsaw of the pa- the Pittsburgh Penguins? Penguins, Rangers, had a tough time getting out. And yep. they stuck with him, yep. and they stuck with the guys Backstrom. around him, yep. and they brought it back because yep. they knew, hey, these are guys who are literal generational players, you know, if not that, superstars, yeah. that you cannot replace for a third-line winger. Yeah. You know, everybody loves a third-line winger, and I know we want to Our talk John about McDonald, the offseason. right? That's the Toronto for some reason doesn't like Matt Sundin. They like Darcy Tucker. Yeah. Toronto at first doesn't like Jose Bautista. They like John McDonald. It takes some time for some reason. We like to think of ourselves, despite being this giant global metropolis That's it. of like white collar people. We like to, for some reason, think of the Leafs and the Jays and our teams as these like blue collar workers. And we prefer the grinders <laughs> instead of these like ultra talented stars that we just crap all over right and listen it's fine to love the third line winger yeah it's it's great to to love the utility baseball player and the six man mm-hmm. the jyd off the bench sure and, man you know the lou will off the bench and all that great <laughs> stuff and it's exciting as a fan you get to you know because they get a separate ovation you know in some of those sports and other guys do mm-hmm. let's not forget austin matthews yeah john Tavares. Mm-hmm. Mitch I mean, I love Zach Hyman, any, but he's playing with those loses guys. John Tavares in yeah. the first minute of a playoff series. Completely changes. That's everything. a complete and utter change in talent. Yep. Okay. I'm not talking about Josh Anderson getting a hangnail here. <laughs> okay. If the Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, if the Penguins show up without Sidney Crosby, and I'm not saying John Tavares is no, Sidney no, Crosby. No. But you're like, but it's the same deal. Well, you think you're facing out. Crosby and Malkin. All of a sudden, Malkin's gone. That's a different team now. Huge. That's a different team. You change now. everything you're doing on defense. Yep. You're changing everything you're doing with your line changes. Yep. And you yeah, become easier to to match against. All, all of a sudden, stuff. Carey Price became Carey Price for three weeks. <sighs> yeah. And it fell apart again. But <laughs> he just turned into Carey Price again. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to do sometimes? It's literally the only thing that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> and yeah, no. I, I don't know. Let's talk about the offseason that they had then because they've gotten, I don't know. We'll see what Zach, I would not obviously have given Zach Hyman the deal that Edmonton did. You don't pay guys. years. Yeah, you don't pay guys. Seven. Who play that style at that age. (laughs) You don't do it. I never would have done it. But that's not to say we won't miss him. It's not to say he didn't bring things to the team that were valuable. It's not to say that they didn't try to make something happen. So you've lost a piece there. And the conversation starts to become, because we've done this before, where you, you're you trying to contend right now. So you can't deal him away at the deadline. But we did it with JVR and Bozak, right? We've done this before where, and some of it's with Lou and some of it's with Kyle, you don't trade them away because you're trying to take a run, but you do walk them to free agency and off they go. 
that just happened again with Zach Hyman. And you are now staring at Morgan Riley at his last year of his contract going, have I seen enough? Do I want to re-sign him at his age and to what he's going to want? And man, that just got ugly with the money that Seth Jones got and Darnell Nurse got and you know why? Hamilton got. Because Seth Jones is not a very good hockey player anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know if everybody knows that. I'm with you. He is he is done so. But all those guys, Zach Wierenski, right? Everybody started getting $9 million bucks. And that talk that Morgan Riley would take a hometown discount, he may. He may still. But if he thought he was a $7 million defenseman willing to stay for 6.5, he now thinks he's an $8 million defenseman willing to stay for 7.5, right? Everything has shifted up. And I just want to hand this to you. Would you be trying to lock him up right now? Would you be trying to consider trading him right now so that you don't do this thing again? Or would you look at your team and go, we're still trying to do this and risk walking him again to free agency another guy and risking that he's just going to leave at the end of the year. That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a doozy. Cause <sighs> you've already started to see, I'm, right? Like Sandin was getting the power play yeah. minutes. Uh, he's not ready to be a top pair defenseman, no. but they started to pull back on Riley a little bit. Hmm. I'm going to bring up a couple of things here. Okay. To answer my point. Sure. Zach Hyman, I agree with you. Okay, seven years with a guy who plays like that. We've seen this a million times. Okay, I like Zach Hyman as a hockey player, but we also went to the playoffs with him the last couple of years, and we've still not won anything. Yep. So if you're gonna if you're gonna heap, you know, shit on the other guys, he better wear his his yeah, part his of the stick of too, too, right? Yeah. Whether he was injured, listen, it's the NHL playoffs. Everybody's injured. Yep. There is nothing, <laughs> in every sport, these guys are playing longer. Not when you play like that. No. Not when you play like you're Cam Neely. And he's had two knee surgeries now. and That is going to... Listen, he is going to put up record numbers this season yep. with Connor McDavid on his... You know, down the middle. Yep. And everybody's going to go, oh, Dubas did it again. Yep. And he might do it for two seasons. Yep, might. Might do it but for a But let me tell you. <laughs> Here's five, six, and seven. <laughs> Those are going to be real bad in Edmonton. Yeah. Those are going to be cold, cold winters. <laughs> so you got to look at you got to look at your team now, and you got to look at your team in the future, right? Yes, they're win now, but you also got to look. You know, I'm, I'm sure Kyle Dubas isn't sitting there going, "Well, I'm here for one year." He's still got to be thinking. Here, I think I'm, it's crossed part his of mind. My, it's part of my plan, right? <laughs> I'm building an organization. I'm building a team. That's all he's done, right? He did it in the Sioux. He did it with the Marlies. Half the Half the guys we're getting right now that we're keeping competitive is because yes. of what he did in the Marlies. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, some of the guys like Casper that, and stuff we traded. But, but like, that's dry now. Like, there's nothing coming from the Marlies this year. But. Oh, no, because now Kyle's running the Leafs. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. you got to give the guy a break. Give my but, guy a break right okay. here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But the that draft window, yeah. that, that Mark Hunter draft window of like 2014 to 2016, 17, 18, whatever it was. Ugh, it's dry. It's ugly. It's dry now. Yeah, it's yeah. dry. They have not been good at drafting after the first round. Let's nope. be honest. Yep. They've been really good in the first. Yeah, well, when you're like really bad stopped. for a while, <laughs> you get to be really good at drafting high. It's like they stopped checking at the other teams yeah. or something, and they're like, oh, okay. Um, Jake Gardner. Remember him? I do, a little bit, vaguely. Remember how everybody was a little upset that he signed for so little in Carolina? Yeah. And he quickly disappeared yeah. off the planet? His back was totaled. Right? I'm a little... Listen, I don't know any insider knowledge here, okay? But when I see Morgan Riley skate around, there's something about his lower body that's starting to worry me. 
Yeah. There is, he's taken too much. I mean, did they announce what he had the year before? Was it a hip surgery or a... Um, yeah, I remember there was something early on that he decided to play through and yeah. then something else got fucked. They operated on both when he missed some time yeah. in, the, in the winter there. I don't remember what it was, whether it was a knee, a hip. It was lower, I believe. He's but. also had the ACL surgery, yeah. right, in his junior year. Yeah. He takes a lot of beating. He's not a big boy. And if he can't rush the puck... He's just starting to look like, again, he's going to need a six plus, you know, at least a six-year deal. Yep. It's going to be year four, five, six. It's going to look real bad to yeah, somebody. Yeah, he's at that age too, right? 28, 29 now, or maybe you don't do it. And I don't... I don't know. I so mean, would you trade him? The one thing you got to look at, though, here, here's my answer, though. Okay. You got to look at who else is going to have cap room, right? And I guess it's hard to know because people might make decisions at the trade deadline, but you got to start looking ahead and going at looking at the cap geek and going, who could actually, you know, who is going to pay him over me? Because there there is something to do with the market, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why this year in the in the uh, NHL they all went crazy for overpriced defensemen. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I was making fun of uh, the Seth Jones thing, but Darnell Nurse at, was it nine? Yeah, I think so. It was in the Crazy. neighborhood. It's nuts. Yeah. Good player. Really good player. Would love to have that player. That's not, that's stupid money. I don't, I don't think you're winning, even with Connor McDavid, I'm not sure you're ever winning a Stanley Cup if he's your number one defenseman. Well, we'll I just see. don't think he's you do. Still, well, he's, stu- but you're right. They, he's, they all he's blew their brain. the best athlete in his family man okay that's fair no it's hard to be though that's a that's a high bar to clear um but yeah zach Wierenski gets all that money because columbus has lost everything again and they have to show their fans look we're we're committed here we're doing something right um hamilton in new jersey that's going to be a bad deal Certainly what Chicago did with Seth Jones, that's not going to age well. But all these things are weighing into the Morgan Riley thing now, where you have to decide, in my opinion, you have to decide right now, and most of the GMs are on vacation, so good luck finding one to make a deal with you, (laughs) who wants Morgan Riley at his very low cap number right now. They're at a different lake in case you're wondering. I don't know. They might just be down the lake here. We'll see. Probably a gated community at the end of the road that we're, I'm not allowed to walk past, um, holding my microphone out. Um, but you know, it it's you have to do it now and get you know whatever you would get. And I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy. I said like a year and a half ago, it's time to consider what you're doing with Morgan Riley because for the production he was giving you at the time, which wasn't sustainable, he had a 20 goal year. And the contract that he's at, which I think is five or just below five, yeah, it's insanely good. You should consider trading him now. He might be Demar, the really popular guy, the mainstay, good the comparison. guy everybody loves. You might have to do something unpopular yeah. to get something else that you need. And there's there are some statistics that would tell you that Jake Muzzin is this team's number one defenseman, not Morgan Riley. Um, There's some eye tests that would tell you to see. Yeah, thing. right. Uh, but he's getting a little older too, yeah, so we'll see. Right. And, and he plays that hard style. He's he's got some miles on him. Sandin and Dermot and Muzzin. Do you love that as a contend team trying to contend for a cup as your left defense? Ooh, yeah. But at the same time, if you keep Riley, you're keeping him for the year. You're gonna see what happens this year. And then he's going to have the right to walk away if he wants. And who knows what the numbers will look like next year. I, I don't know, man. Like, I do understand all those guys when they let them go. 
you're also trading for pieces to contend, right? We we always understand that guys go uh, teams go get rental players, and we're all fine with that. Yeah. Why aren't you fine with keeping your own guy as a rental player? Basically, yeah. If you traded JVR the year that he was in UFE, he was putting up like a forty goal a year. So you're not trading him, no, because you're trying to make the playoffs. So what do you want to do? With Morgan Riley. If it's me, I'm I'm holding them. Yeah. I'm holding them. And here's the reason. I mean, if he comes out like a gangbuster, yeah. you're du- you're not trading him. No. <laughs> you're just not doing it. Unless you're getting the Godfather deal, unless you're getting the Kawhi deal. You know. But who's giving you that? Well, that's what I mean. In- unless somebody calls you and says, I'm trying to think of a guy you could get, but like New Jersey calls and said, Hey, you know what? We fucked up. <laughs> we'll get we'll give you a Dougie uh, or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and now you can fit it into your cat because of some you injury. Imagine. So he's signing a seven-year deal yeah, and then you know, immediately getting traded. Stupid, right? or, no, I hear you. That type of... Or, like, you know, they call up and somebody says, hey, listen, to make the Eichel... You know, we're sending Eichel somewhere, but to make it happen, we got to include you with Morgan Riley, but you get mm-hmm. X. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. You pull the trigger, I guess, right? But that's only happening if he's not playing really well How about right Mitch now, and right? Moe to Buffalo for Eichel? Ooh. There's pieces around it. There's draft pick. There's cap considerations. That's it, but... But I, you know what I would do then? I would immediately flip Eichel for, really, for eh? a defenseman. I think it's interesting. Now you've got Eichel and Matthews, their buddy-buddy. They like, and, and as Tavares ages, you get to move him over yeah. to the wing. Eichel's your number two center. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm comfortable with the Leafs in defense. Yeah. I still think they need, I mean, I, I didn't like Bogosian leaving. I didn't either. That, that one hurt. Um, my issue with the Leafs on defense is we use Muzzin and we use Riley way too much and by the end of the season they look like they played way too many minutes right as opposed to you know Matthews sometimes you're like play him more <laughs> sometimes but there's <laughs> days where you look like this year Keith like we used to complain that Babcock didn't play Matthews enough this year Keith played the fuck out of him and you wonder if he was a little spent by the end and because it was a crazy year too that was every other night compact con, uh, compacted schedule yeah the season this it wasn't a very safe season, right? We saw too many weird injuries because of it. We saw too many guys getting hurt. Yeah. Um, a lot more West Coast travel than you're used to because of the fact yeah. you were playing in Canada, right? Only yeah. And, and then, you know, the, the stupidity of having Cal- was it Calgary or uh, Vancouver finish their season. That was awful. Which just screwed the playoffs up for everybody in, in Canada. Well, not um, to mention what it did to the Canucks, right? And like, in the Canucks, yeah. yeah I mean, and the Flames, whatever. That was a rough finish for them. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is really interesting. And I do think... It won't be up to Shanahan next year if this doesn't work. I think the MLSE board is getting tired of, like, Shanahan's been here since 2014, I think. Yep. It's not an insignificant amount of time, and you haven't gotten past the first round. We bought into the plan. He was the first guy to get them to buy into that we're tearing it right down. You have to go with the full rebuild. And they finally said, okay, let him do it. And they have stuck with it. We aren't hearing the usual shit we used to in the newspapers about the certain board members are unhappy. Like, they've gone along with it. But after this long, he and Kyle, in my opinion, will be gone. They want the playoff ad revenue, because don't forget... For sure. The the people who own the Leafs also own Sportsnet and TSN. <laughs> so they want them in there longer. They want the playoff ticket money. They want everything that goes along with that. And if they go down this year, I think Shanny and Kyle are going down with them. And I think that what Kyle's yeah. done this off season with some of these analytics darlings again, as opposed to your, you know, 
Joe Thornton's and whatever that I'm not shitting on it. I, I thought it was worth a shot. It was league minimum deal, minimal mm-hmm. risk. Fine. He's gone back this year. It looks to me to, if I'm going down, I'm going down doing this my way. For no sure, more right? hybrid, no more whatever. This is the way I think you have to do it. I'm taking another swing. And if it doesn't work, I'll be gone anyway. They're almost, you know, their early success really kind of bit them in the ass, right? You get Austin Matthews, right? We tear it down. We get Austin Matthews. We're not supposed to make the playoffs. No. But Austin Matthews is so damn good. Freddie Anderson plays out of his mind that year. All of a sudden, you know, Mitch Mitch has a great rookie year as well. Bozy and JVR have great years. Right. Like, Kadri's killing it. And now we're in game seven against Washington. Game six. Or game six in Washington. Yeah, making every five of six going to overtime. Like, you're right there. And it gives everybody the false sense of we're We're farther along than we actually are. Right? We weren't. No. If they don't make the playoffs for the first year, I, I mean, listen, it doesn't change history. But I think that that early bit of success or mild success really impaired this team. Yeah, do I do I agree with you that you know unfortunately <laughs> you can only lose in the first round so many times before somebody gets fired. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Would I hate to see it because you know I just think like the last two years there's been such stupid bad luck on on things that happened and like yeah. you know going back to Columbus it's the league they're killing everybody. Yes. They would have been in a guaranteed playoff spot if you keep playing the season out. We got to play this play in. Columbus gets lucky in that goal um, against uh, was it Game Five? Tavares misses the open net. Just stupid things happen, yep. right? Yep. Some people say, "Hey, it's the curse that leaves." I just think sometimes hockey is the most unpredictable sport, <laughs> and the difference between the first place team and the last place team isn't always that huge. I don't think, in my opinion, even right now, watching them get dumped in the first round, I'm not convinced that there's. Five, six GMs in the league better than Kyle. You look at some of those moves that are getting signed that everyone knows are just bombs, but guys are going to sign them anyway because they're protecting their jobs and all this stuff. Like, I don't know how many guys are out there that I'm positive are better than Kyle. So at the same time that I don't think it's unreasonable if MLSE does decide we're fed up. You can only do it for so long. I wouldn't fire him, but I would understand that that's sometimes how sports works. But when you do it, it's pretty likely you're going to downgrade and you're going back to the complete, you always swing the pendulum, right? So you're going back to a Lou type, an old school type. And who knows at that point what happens? I, I think it's can, I think it's possible to say, I understand if the board decides we're done here and also that it's probably a bad idea. I think I sit with you on yeah. that. Now, let me ask you this, though. If we get to the second round and we get knocked out in six, is that a success then? Or yeah, is that like- I don't know where you draw the line now, right? Like, what is, hey, we got into the first round. Is that, is that enough now? Remember when the Raptors were about to fire Coach Casey the first time? And it was first round loss. And Maddie against- was dancing in the streets yeah. thinking, it's coming, it's finally first round, here. First round. And then they're in, they shouldn't even have been in game seven. Yeah. They got to game seven, end up, you know, winning a pretty good game against, I think it was the Pacers for that one. And all of a sudden it's like celebrating Dwayne Casey again now, right? Like, is that enough? Probably not. Right. Like the way Tavares is aging and the, 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 the core guys, those young guys are into their, you know, primes. The, the expectations 
should be that you are a top kind of four, five, six team in the league, which means making a conference final or two here in the next couple of years. But at the same time, yeah, the expectations are so low that like it's just get out of the first round. No, it's probably not enough, but it would be... Let me put it this way. It probably saves Kyle's job, but it probably has Kyle making more significant changes. Yeah. He gets to keep doing it, but the same group isn't coming back. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. It, it's if, if he is going to go out, I'd rather him go out the way he wants yes. instead of bringing in. Oh, for sure. You know, listen, I, I, I kind of liked getting Felino because I thought, you know what? In my mind, I'm like, okay, at least we're shutting up the Yahoos. Yeah. <laughs> and we're giving him the guy you want. And what did he do? He did a whole lot of nothing. He got hurt, first too, of all. And then, he did get hurt. Yeah. I thought I liked that they brought him in. I didn't like the price. They paid too much for him. That's I didn't have a problem with I bringing him in. I think they had him. to. Oh, it sure certainly looked like it, yeah. I don't think they had to like uh, Seth Jones had to, but... Oof. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating season for both of the uh, the big tent pillar or tent pole organizations for MLSE. The Raps looking to get back across the border, get reestablished, kind of set what this rebuild is going to look like. Is it going to be a total rebuild? Is it going to be kind of reload on the fly? The Leafs looking to get their feet back under them. Don't forget they're going back into their old division instead of the Canadian division. I wonder if that'll help, right? More time up against... Is that guaranteed now? Is that like a... No, I guess not. But the schedule's been written that way. But if if the numbers keep screwing around and they have to adjust the border again, I guess it could go back to... That that is the toughest division in hockey. It is hard. It is tough. I don't know if it's the toughest, I guess. I I would say, I mean, top through bottom... Um, Ottawa's on the come. Montreal's going to, I don't know what they're going to be. Ottawa's Florida's not an better. easy team to play. No, they're not. Florida was first and they're getting place better. for a while. Florida's going to be fine, like really good. Tampa's going to be good. Boston, every year for the last two or three, I've said, I think this is the year Boston starts to slide back. They never do. So we'll see, right? Like uh, Detroit and Buffalo are going to be the only terrible teams in the division. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, top, top down, it's the most even division. Yeah. Because I think you could argue that skill-based Toronto and Tampa top five at least right Boston's probably not that far behind even though they only have one line but that one line's so damn good yeah Spencer Knight's gonna take over as the number one goalie in Florida and solve that problem for them they're all of a sudden a real problem like they're a nightmare yeah that's a fast hard-hitting team too man yeah so I I wonder and we we don't know it's all speculation we'll we'll rewrite the story in hindsight that best suits it but do the Leafs benefit from facing those really good teams more often. Yeah, you're going to take a couple more losses, but maybe you're more ready for playoff hockey. I don't, you know, it's you can tell whatever story you want to tell, but yeah, I mean, here's one thing I'll say there there was times last year where the Leafs just looked bored. Yeah. It looked like they were like Ottawa again. Oh, Calgary again. I got to right. play this Kachuk guy again. Yeah. There definitely Flipping were games where they were like, "All right, like I'm done with this." And I you know, maybe a normal schedule will keep them a little bit more alive through. I mean, it's, it was still a long season, yep. right? So hopefully it, you know, I'd like to think it keeps them a little bit more alive throughout the season. Maybe gives them a little more battle testing as well. True, ma'am. Uh, we might as well wind this one down here just about the time of the dinner hour. And uh, we need to go find more pints. <laughs> so uh, we'll wind this one down here. I'm glad you made it up, man. I'm glad you were able to do this. Glad we were able to do a show in person. But yeah, yeah just in general, being able nice. to have a couple pints face to face again with the uh, we may be headed back into lockdown sooner than we know, so we got to get these visits in when we can, Listen, right? Keep those fingers crossed, man. Honest keep those God. fingers crossed and those masks high. <laughs> oh, God. That's a good <laughs> call, man. Uh, we'll wind this one down there. 
Uh, hit everybody up with the uh, the socials. Uh, socials. Matt does physio. Been a little quiet over the summer as I'm resting up from all my injury reports that I usually do. <laughs> Hoping to do a little bit more with the guys from Raptor Republic this year. So um, always make sure we tag you guys. Or I know you guys always share my stuff, so always appreciate it. Um, yeah, and uh, other than that, I started a new little, new little thing called Swish Club with a buddy of mine. Well, we're actually just talking basketball and uh, mostly basketball, but basketball and hockey cards for Canadians and uh, our our teams like Toronto and the Raptors. Sure. Doing something a little different lately. So if anybody wants, uh, or you know, we're all nostalgic kids from the 80s and 90s who <laughs> were collecting cards. And, you know, we're just talking about the fun of uh, living the hobby now that we're older and have a couple extra bucks to spend. Love that, man. Uh, we will share those links in the show notes so that you can follow along if you like. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, the archives, of course, all at tallcanaudio.com. For Maddie Lang, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.